Hello and welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today we're continuing our 30-minute theology series as Pastor Nicole is once again joined by Pastor Quint Lindblad. Today they're going to discuss what the church is supposed to look like. This message could not be more perfectly timed, so let's get right to it. Pastor Quint gets us started today. All right, well, I think it is so amazing how the timing of all this has worked out. Uh, We mapped out this 30-minute theology series a a month or two ago and just kind of the topics we were going to be doing, and we were already scheduled today, March 15th, to talk about this theology of the church. And so I think uh, it's just affirmation that this wasn't a surprise to God, as surprised as we are about all these changes and situations and things that we're going through. Uh, God saw all of this coming, and so I'm excited to kind of unpack this subject today. Um, So I'll give you a little spoiler, and then we'll kind of unpack all of it. But the spoiler is this. The church is not a building, okay? And so that's uh, important to know as we're doing this very unconventionally today. Um, Let's go ahead and dive in. About a month ago, I guess maybe two months ago now, our staff was in a time of prayer uh, together, and I was playing my guitar and uh, just kind of creating an atmosphere and and leading worship for everyone, and we were praying and asking God for just fresh revelation, uh, whether it was about our family, about our work, about our church, whatever the case was. And as I was playing my guitar, uh, doing that, I, I felt like God was telling me, Quint, think about your instrument. And... I kind of humbly thought, well, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm thinking about my instrument while I play it. And then I felt like he kind of nudged me a little harder and said, no, think about the intricacy or the complexity of your physical instrument. Don't think about what it takes to play the guitar, but think about your guitar. Think about all that goes in to making this instrument so that you can play simple, what we call cowboy chords on it and and make music. And so then that kind of, uh, when we left that time, I remembered that and I was sitting at my desk and I kind of just Googled images of, uh, of a guitar building kit. Like what would it take to actually build a guitar? And you'll see here in this picture that it's pretty complex. There's a lot that goes in to putting a guitar together so that when you take steel wound strings and stretch them across it, it doesn't just fold up on itself because a guitar really should just fold up on itself. And so uh, as you can see in this picture, it's a lot more than most weekend woodshop guys would probably want to take on. I consider myself a weekend woodshop guy and I don't want to touch any of that. Uh, There is that handy DVD there. If you get lost, maybe you could pop that in and it would get you back on track. But this is a, a big job and a complex instrument. And so back to our prayer time, as God was telling me, Quint, think about your instrument. I think it's such a great launch point for our conversation on the church and the complexity, the complexity and intricacy of the church, okay? Uh, this is a big topic, and I think it requires humble hearts and open minds, but today we are going to look at the intricacy of the church and what makes us who we are, how we are different, okay? So <clears throat> let's continue to do that here. Uh, and let me, let me start with the controversial stuff, okay? That's always fun. That's kind of how I like to roll. Um, the word church, as we use it very liberally today, is actually not found in the Bible, okay? Um, so let me kind of explain what I mean by that. When we are reading through the New Testament and we see the word church, typically it's actually a translation of the word ecclesia, 
all right? And I'm going to actually just read to you an article that I found that explains this uh, really, really well, and it's how I would have explained it, but this guy did all the work to put all the sentences together really well. So let me read you this. Jeremy Karras at Karras Ministry says, I have often heard believers say the church just needs to be the church, but actually that is exactly what we are typically being. We are fulfilling the full substance of what we are declaring. Our words matter. Sometimes we say, I belong to such and such church. No, you belong to Christ and you attend a church, but you are the ecclesia. Perhaps we should start speaking what we really mean to say. The church needs to be the ecclesia. And it may initially seem to be a trivial discrepancy, but the differences are staggering. The word in English Bibles for church is ecclesia, and I believe there is a reason it was not transliterated, as many other Greek words were. A transliterated word is a word that was created to sound similar to the original, but because there was no true English word that would convey the same meaning. Words such as apostle, Christ, angel, amen, hallelujah, baptism, these were all transliterated words. But when it came to ecclesia, King James demanded that it be replaced with church instead of transliterated. Again, the implications of this replacement are are profound, and I believe intentional as well. We could fill a book unpacking and expounding on these differences and bringing clarity to the entire issue. But for now, let me summarize it and state it simply. Church speaks of a place where people gather, and it influences their identity. Here's the difference. Ecclesia speaks of a people who gather in a place to influence it out of their identity. Do you see the difference? In every sense, down to their roots and developed meanings, they are exactly the opposite. When you meet someone and ask, where do you go to church? That person's answer immediately shapes your perception of who they are. You begin to identify them to some degree by which church they do or do not attend. But God commissioned us to influence every place we set our feet from out of, true, out of who we truly are. Let me say that again. God commissioned us to influence every place we set our feet out of who we truly are. And we have been commissioned to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, make it on earth as it is in heaven, to live from the kingdom above and to shape the world below. And actually his article goes on, I'll stop there, but I think this is the big takeaway. Our English language has limited our understanding of the power of the word church. That is not to say that it has limited the power of the church, okay? Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So nothing will come against God's church or God's plan for his church, not even King James insisting that the word be translated as church as opposed to ecclesia. That will not get in the way of what God's plan is. But I do think this, the enemy loves to bring confusion, and I believe that one way he tries to do that is to limit our understanding of various words or things. And often these are important things. This is a pretty important difference that we're talking about here. Um, and so as stated in the article, the word ecclesia speaks to a people, and that would be you watching this today, who have been called out to live different and to influence everything around them. And that is who we are and that is how we are to live as followers of Jesus Christ. So good. Um, it's interesting because when we look at the, at the scripture, um, we can see a very clear picture 
of how the church or the ecclesia is supposed to operate and its purposes. And mm-hmm. so um, what I did uh, as in preparation for today is kind of look at those scriptures and said, okay, what are the things that the church is supposed to focus on? And if the scripture says this is what the church is should focus on, then that's what we should focus on, right? right? right. Um, so here's a couple things. I'm going to use my whiteboard today. Um, you can like it just as much online as you do when you come to church. That's right. <laughs> the first one is, uh, the, the scripture says that the church is supposed to love God. Now, maybe this is a little bit of a duh moment for us all today. Um, of course, like we're supposed to love God, but right. sometimes these simple things are the things we miss or the things that end up getting buried underneath all the other things that we think we're supposed to be doing. Sure. Uh, I love Colossians 3.16. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So the church is designed for us to take time to love God. Mm-hmm. And a major purpose of the church is to make God's name famous and to bring him glory. And that's why we get together and we have worship. And that's why we talk about the greatness and the goodness of God. And we share testimonies with each other. Because the idea is that the church is, exists to love God. Yeah. All right, here's the second one. Uh, to build up believers. This is what we see in the scripture. To build up believers. Now, we see um, Colossians 1.28 speaks about the teaching everyone, uh, to teach everyone so we can become fully mature in Christ. And this means that we don't stay where we are spiritually. The church is meant to help us push us forward in our faith. It's meant to help us um, have profound moments, have deep experiences. It's meant to help us look at the scripture and say, wait a minute, I don't understand that. Help me understand it. It's supposed to have these moments where we're building each other up. And most importantly, we, are meant to, we aren't meant to stay the same spiritually. So life change is the fruit of a real relationship with Jesus. And so I would say if, if things aren't changing, if you've been the same spiritually for a long time, that should be something that, that clicks with you, that, that you need to, to be more connected, to be in the church so you can be built up um, through the church, that we can build up believers. Ephesians 4, 12 through 13 is another important passage about building up believers. Um, Paul is writing here, and he says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this passage actually says that Christ gave these people, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, for the purpose of equipping the people, for the purpose of building them up in their faith. So the church is meant to equip each of us to do the good things that God wants each of us to do. And the calling and the mission that God has on your life grows and clarifies when you're connected to a body of believers, when you're connected to a faith community. All right, the third one is this. Send the message to send the message. All right. So um, you may have caught me here. Yeah. Because 
<laughs> if I've you, seen those words before. If you've seen these words before, <laughs> love, build, and send, um, I unashamedly am showing you how in the scripture it is spelling out the vision of Erie First Assembly. Yeah. The vision is to love, build, and send. And we get this vision from scripture. That's why we do it. We came up with these three words because they summarize exactly what God said the church should act like and exactly what God said the church should be. Um, send the message. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. We're supposed to take the good news of Jesus Christ's loving message and tell everyone everywhere. Yeah. Matthew 28.19 says, go, make disciples of all nations. We are mandated to act, to be a voice of God. And the Bible also reminds us when we're talking about sending to not forget the poor, to not forget the oppressed, to not forget the orphans and the widows. In Acts eleven twenty nine, 29, it reminds us that the church is to take care of each other, that we're supposed to take care of each other's needs and, and take care of those in need that are among us. And so the church is purposed to love, build, and send. Those aren't just random words that we chose to put on a t-shirt. Right, <laughs> These right. are things that, that when we look at the scripture, one of the clear things when we look at the scripture is it, it communicates to us that the church, the ecclesia, is not meant to be a commodity to consume. That the church is for us, but it is not about us. Yeah. The church is for us, but it is not all about us. Mm -hmm. It is this living organism. I love what you said, Quint, about how um, it is not meant to be a group of people that meet in a building. It's a group of people, their identity that happens to meet in a building, uh, have this identity to go out and send and yeah. affect the world. Yeah. And so it's all about what Jesus is telling us to do. And so this faith community, Erie First, we're all about Jesus. And once we understand this, I think our view of church can change. We become Christ-centered and not me-centered. We become others-focused instead of focused on maybe our felt needs or our preferences. And we grow more and more concerned with meeting the needs of other people. So I think these are really important things. And, and when I really sat and thought about it, love, build, send is exactly what the scripture says uh, what the church should be. And I'm so proud that that's exactly where our mission yeah. has aligned. Um, so I just want to talk briefly for a minute. How can we be the church? How can we be uh, the ecclesia right now in the middle of this national crisis, national emergency, and the fear of the coronavirus. What can we do? Uh, so there's a couple things that, that I really feel like the scripture can lead us to. And the first is this. Um, we need to pray and not panic. Mm -hmm. We need to pray and not panic. Uh, Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm -hmm. God's people cannot be governed by fear. Right. That's not, we can't be governed by fear. We have to be people of faith. Uh, Corey Ten Boom said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Mm. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. You know, I was thinking about how it takes the same amount of energy to worry as to pray. Right. Uh, but one will lead you to peace and the other will lead you to panic. Yeah. One will lead you to uh, being able to rest in God's promises and the other will, will lead you to a spiral of, of trying to figure out what to do. So we have to choose wisely what we spend our time doing. Um, worry is very common to man, but God has called us to face troubles and threats with courage, to lean our weight on him. He can be trusted. So pray, pray, pray. Don't panic. Pray in this time. And I believe that God will always show his faithfulness. Yeah. 
Um, secondly, we need to really be compassionate to those around us. Um, we need to be creative in ways that we can serve our community right now. Uh, it may not look exactly like it did two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, we have to get creative. So I'm going to encourage you right now, start by checking in on the people in your wingspan. Um, is, is there a neighbor in need? Is there a coworker in need? Is there someone that God continues to bring to mind that you can reach out and check on? Um, as a church, we will be um, looking at ways that we can help uh, the most vulnerable in our community. So I want you to stay tuned over these weeks because maybe you can jump in and help in some of those ways. But until then, um, be on the lookout. I think often we need to ask ourselves, how can I stay healthy? That's really important. Mm -hmm. But we also need to ask ourselves, how can I help? How can I help? We're the church. So I just want to encourage you, be quick to help. Be slow to hide in your basement. Right. <laughs> you know, like we, we, have to, we have to think to ourselves, how can we stay healthy? But also, how can we help? And those are two really important things. Now third, um, you know, there's all this kind of talk about quarantine. And we want to quarantine the coronavirus, but we do not want to quarantine the Great Commission. Right? We right. do not want right. to quarantine the Great Commission. We may not be able to help with medical needs uh, because we don't have those, those skills or those uh, supplies, but we can speak life and encouragement and hope to this panic. We have the promises of God's word that will triumph. So let's keep reminding ourselves those truths, and then let's keep reminding each other. Let's look for opportunities to talk about your faith to people that you may never maybe have had the platform before. Um, use technology. Uh, use this digital connection that we have to our advantage because we know that, just like we're doing this morning, right. that God's word and hope can go forward. Um, you know, as, as we talked about, Christ promised to build his church, and he promised to build his church during global crisis. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this, yeah. is, this is a promise for right now. And he gave his disciples the authority to do so. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower them to build it. And we have the Holy Spirit, and we can continue to build God's church, even in this time where it looks a little different. Yeah, that's so good. Um, so in light of that, <clears throat> let's go back to, to my beginning analogy of that guitar. Um, because I, I think this is how it paralyzed the church, or that parallels the... Uh, not parallels, parallels. This is how it parallels <laughs> the church, the ecclesia. I believe that the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ, is so intricate and complex. And on a typical Sunday morning, not today, but on a typical Sunday morning, we could go around this room and everyone could just share their backgrounds, their professions, how they came to faith, how they came to Jesus Christ, um, just their basic information. And we would be astonished at how complex this room is and how un just, it, it must be a God thing that this collection of people ended up in this room at that particular time, right? And, and that's, we are just one church in a state, in a country, and there's 195 countries on the earth. There's churches all over the world. And that's just speaking of the intricacy of this one gathering of people. And so I would, I would say it this way. Those of us who raise our hands as believers of Jesus Christ and say, I, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. This is who I am and what I do. And we, I am part of the ecclesia. I've been called out to live different. We are a weird and eclectic bunch, okay? That's how I would say that. And um, I think that's good, though. I think that it just speaks to um, the intricacy of God and just how multifaceted he is. And we talked a lot about that last week in our theology of the Trinity. Um, but I will say that because of our varying backgrounds, what does that potentially provide room for um, inside the church? 
I would say a good word to sum it all up would be tension. Okay, like we talked earlier, just like the tension of a guitar string should make a guitar fold up on itself. There's so much room for tension inside a gathering of people with so many varying backgrounds and varying uh, experiences and circumstances that brought them to Jesus Christ. All right. So this is the picture of a guitar before you put it together. And if you look at that, the, both the top corners, the whole bottom, over 50% of the parts you see there are bracing to help hold it together when the tension is finally stretched across it, all right? But now, if you look when a guitar has been put together, here's a picture from the inside of a guitar. I love the, uh, the pictures I've seen online that say, it looks like an apartment most of us can't afford, right? <laughs> That's a really good way uh, to describe that. So I think that um, what this shows us is that the careful and intentional design of a guitar that holds it together uh, to handle that tension. It is such a great parallel to the careful and intentional design that God has placed on his church, on his people, on the ecclesia to hold us together when tension should pull us apart. So my hope as you're hearing this is that you are understanding that you are part of the ecclesia. Like Pastor Nicole just said, you are part of a group of people who have been called out to influence the situations and the people and the places around you. And we have such a great opportunity to do that in the middle of the situation that we're in. So even though common sense would dictate that a group this large or groups all over the world uh, with so much uh, varying experiences that bring them together should just rip them apart. God keeps us all together because we have one central focus and his name is Jesus Christ. And so hopefully wherever you are right now, you are saying amen to these things and this is really speaking to you. Um, but I just think it's so amazing that we have been that we are able on a weekly basis, typically, to come together, to gather as his church, uh, to be his ecclesia. But I think it's just as amazing that we get to leave this place. We get to go outside of these four walls and influence the situations and the people and the places around us here in Erie, Pennsylvania. So um, we take with us the ability and the opportunity to influence our surroundings for the expansion of the kingdom. Let me say that one more time. Uh, we take with us the ability and the opportunity to influence our surroundings for the expansion of the kingdom. And that is an amazing and beautiful privilege. Yeah. So I think a place in the scripture we really see an example of the church functioning is Acts 2. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to read these verses and talk about this uh, briefly. Uh, Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Um, I think the word I really want to focus on this morning, the thing that really sticks out to me in this passage is the word devoted, the mm -hmm. word devoted. I was thinking about that word this week and I actually wondered to myself, um, Quint, do you think that the early church had problems with attendance? I, I do not. <laughs> do you no. think that the early church had problems with people getting offended and going over to another church with better coffee I or, also or different not. music or yeah. a flashier website, right? right. Yeah. Um, could you imagine the potential of a church and ecclesia with a group of people who decided to be 
devoted. Yeah. A group of people who determined to be a part of God's house, no matter their preferences, no matter their schedules, no matter their own agendas, that they said, we will be devoted. And I think we see the potential of a church unlocked with devoted people when we look in Acts 2, mm-hmm. when we look in the early church. Some people ask the question, why isn't the church like it was in the scripture that we're reading it? And I really believe that actually that word devoted is a huge reason to answer that question. The kind of church that produces miracles and signs and wonders and growth every single day is because there was a group of devoted people. Mm, Uh, Verse 47 says, they added their number daily, those who were being saved. That's an effective church. And so often, I believe we get it backwards. God doesn't say, uh, find the group of believers that are experiencing miracles, wonders, and growth and join them. He says, become devoted people. Become a devoted community. Become devoted to prayer, to the breaking of bread, to meeting together. And then, you know what will happen? Hmm. Miracles, wonders, and growth. That's what the scripture says. And so committing, staying, planting, devoting, grounding ourselves builds unshakable community. Psalm 92 addresses this. It says, "Um, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. And so this psalm references those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Mm -hmm. The house of, of the Lord is community. It's ecclesia. It's church. Planted is another word for devoted. And so when we look in this psalm, what happens to you? If you are committed, if you're planted, if you're devoted in the house of the Lord. Well, verse 13 says, you will flourish in the courts of God. You will bear fruit. It says, even at an old age, you will stay fresh. (laughs) You will stay green. That's what the scripture says. And so planted doesn't describe occasional attender or in case nothing else is going on or low commitment. Planter describes believers who will say, I am here I'm in the house of the Lord, and this is where my roots will grow deep. Yeah. Um, so when I first became a pastor here at Erie First about three years ago, uh, the very first vision or the very first picture uh, that the Lord gave to me in my mind was people in the pews, many, many people, uh, and their hands were worshiping, their hands were in the air, but their feet were like roots of a tree. Mm. (laughs) Their feet were like roots of a tree. And their feet were actually rooted down into the floor of our sanctuary. And the floor was tilled like a garden, and the people were planted. And he was showing me that he was going to call forth and raise up planted people, committed people, devoted people, so so he could build the type of community that he designed. Mm -hmm. And you know what that would take? Sacrifice. That would take uh, moments of time when maybe people didn't love everything that they saw in the flesh or everything that they preferred, but they would say, but I'm here, I'm committed, I'm devoted, I'm here in the house of the Lord. Um, And so in the early church, that word devoted, uh, I think was really key. It was really important. It's something that in our culture today, uh, oftentimes we miss. We we miss that that call uh, to be devoted to a local community, a local community. A local church. So what were they devoted to? Acts 2.42 says, um, apostles teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so a good question to ask yourself, and, and with uh, some of these things getting canceled, you may have a little extra time on your hands. So instead of uh, reading the news obsessively, right. once the, one thing you could do, evaluate yourself. A good question to ask yourself is, um, how are you committed to hearing teaching throughout your week? Yeah. How, how are you committed to the word of God? Where, where can you insert 
the teaching of the word of God? Where can you add it more into your week? Um, how is your devotion to fellowship? How often are you plugging into a community of believers and carrying each other's burdens? Who are you investing in? When's the last time you called someone up from church and said, what can I pray for you about? Uh, when, when have we uh, invested in the community? Uh, the early church was devoted to the breaking of bread, which is referring to the communion of the Lord's Supper. Um, so how serious do you take the significance of communion? How prepared uh, do, do you prepare your heart when we are able to celebrate it together? Yeah. And then lastly, it says, uh, how devoted and committed are you to prayer? How can you increase this in your life today? What, what will it take? Can you get up earlier? Can you turn off your radio on the way to work? Can you get a prayer partner? What can you do? I think devotion takes a game plan. Yep. Devotion is, yep. we don't wake up and naturally become devoted to these things. Devotion takes action. It takes a game plan. And we can be devoted to Christ. We can be devoted to his church. Uh, but we need a game plan. Yeah, and, and we're even in the middle of our um, daily text and our Lenten sacrifices and things like that. So hopefully you have found yourself on a streak of a couple weeks of chiseling something out and filling it with more Jesus and more of the word and more of everything you're talking about yeah. right here, Pastor Nicole. Don't forget about that as we're kind of going through some of this yeah. unanticipated changes. Um, so I want to end with just one important thought before we wrap up today. And it comes from Ephesians 5.25. It says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, or Christ loved the ecclesia yeah. and gave himself up for her. Now, in this passage, uh, church is referring to the community of true believers, past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. That's what this is saying. All believers, regardless of what time period they lived in, make up the true church. And it says that Christ gave himself up for all of us and that is because Christ loves the church. Mm -hmm. Now, let me speak kind of um, just raw honest this morning. Yeah. Sometimes we can get stuck in a wrong pattern of thinking. And we are, are we, maybe we see a church functioning in an unhealthy way. I mean, it is led by human beings. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or we get hurt. Or we see someone or something, and that happens. And, and, and you know, even uh, in the past several years, there's been a lot of leaders that have made some really poor decisions. And it has given uh, the church, if you will, a bad reputation yeah. or a mm -hmm. black eye. But then, sometimes some believers will say, I love Jesus, but I don't do church. Mm. Or, I, you know, I, I just think that the church is corrupt, and if I just steer clear of the organized religion, uh, but I still love Jesus. And, you know, often we can feel very justified, and we can find some pretty valid reasons to make that choice. Um, or or maybe, maybe this isn't you. Maybe this is someone you know. Um, but this is what I really want to speak to, the truth that we cannot escape, what, no matter what our experience or others' experiences have been, is that Christ loved the church. Yeah. And we are to strive to be like Jesus. So if Christ, who certainly has suffered more than us, who definitely knows the misgivings of all the churches much deeper than we even do, can still declare with absolute certainty he loves the church, then that is what we are called to do. Mm. And as believers in Jesus, we too are called to love the church. I don't believe that we have the option to say, I, I love Jesus, but I don't do church. Right. That that is not what the scripture says. That the church and all of its brokenness and mess and imperfections is who and what 
we should love. So don't be fooled by the enemy's crafty plans to keep you out of this beautiful, anointed, purposeful mission that we call the church. It is what Christ loves, and therefore that is what we need to strive to do too. Amen. That's so good. Uh, let, let's close today. Um, and let me just pray a prayer that Jesus prayed over his church, over the ecclesia from John 17. Yeah. And we actually spent some time in these exact same verses last week, which I love because it just shows the, all of these topics are interwoven and go together and fit together uh, because it's how he designed it. So let's pray this uh, wherever you are. Just uh, close your eyes and uh, bow your head and, and, and let's just think on these words. Jesus speaking here, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. And that's from John 17, 20 through 26. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today and watching. Uh, like we said, we'll continue this series throughout the month, and we'll miss you, but make sure that you check in on Facebook and through our webpage, our website, to make sure that you catch all the information. So have an incredible week. Uh, stay healthy and also ask how you can help. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First podcast. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find all of our podcasts at eeriefirst.org, including this one, as well as the Quintessential Ministry podcast with Pastor Quint Lindblad. Thanks again for listening. Keep up to date on all our latest news and information at eeriefirst.org. We'll see you next time.